0: Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Diana Wiley, your host of Love, Lust, and Laughter. Today is January the 10th, so we're 10 days into 2023. What are your goals for 2023? And I kind of hope that you're wishing to integrate more sexual intimacy into your life. And are you wishing to avoid bad sex? So, to help me explore these questions and more is Dr. Ashley Mater. And she's been with me before. She's just a fabulous woman. She is a sex therapist, educator, and consultant. And you can find out more about her. I'll put it in the show notes at ourshine.org. So, Dr. Ashley. How, ha, ha, just tell us a little bit more about your background before we get into things. You were last on with me um, uh, last summer, and uh, but we may have new listeners, so just tell us a couple of things, that highlights of your recent life, <laughs> and then we'll get yeah, well, into the subjects. <laughs>
1: It is great to be back. Um, Recent life, I mean, I will, I mean, a little introduction about me is I have a PhD in human sexuality and I'm a sex therapist in Massachusetts. And I'm also, I do a lot of family therapy work as well uh, in family systems therapy, which is Bowen theory, if anyone's interested in that. Um, And so that's kind of what I've been working a lot around that. And just, you know, also thinking about, I think, you know, kind of what you were saying, just like. What are the goals a, a person and myself can set for 2023? Because we get all of these, we get all of these emails and on social media of like, you know, what like what's your New Year's resolutions? And it's always very cliche. It's always weight loss. And I think you know I'm over that. But what about like yes, yes. thinking about? I'm so over just all this weight loss stuff. Like, but can, why can't we have something that actually adds to our life rather than taking something away. And to me, what adds to life more than better sex and sex goals and intimacy goals?
0: Oh, so true. And uh, one, the, the second point on my list of how to have bad sex is to ignore your body. And the first thing is compare yourself to others. Those two are tied together, of course. Um, yeah, weight loss and body um, image, a body dysphoria, which is the most serious kind, where there is, um, yeah, have you had, you must have had clients with body dysphoria.
1: Yes, and I mean, in different ways, I, I mean, I, I think of it in, in, in heterosexual relationships, um, you know, any, a, a person finding, like, just, Feeling that their body, especially after, like, postpartum, um, I see that. In trans communities, yes. I also see people, um, I work with a lot of trans women who, a big thing in, in that community and, and in trans communities in general in general is, do I pass? Um, yes, as yes. A, and, and so it can be very unsettling for them to... To not feel like their body matches their their gender identity, and so I think there's there's that, and that can keep people from fully opening up and expressing themselves during sex. And I also work with a lot of individuals who have histories or or are in active eating disorders that they just yes. they look in the mirror and they see something different than the actual reality of what their bodies are.
0: They do, and um, I want to go uh, back to my list, and and what I uh, am talking about there is that the idea of a perfect body is true fiction, because none of us have perfect bodies, let's face it. No. And yes. um, you may be ignoring your body at the expense of genuine sexual pleasure and empowerment, And we talked yesterday, I always do a pre-interview with Ashley, uh, and it's so common in my practice, get out of your head and into your body. It's hard for people with body image problems, but it's also hard for people like software engineers. (laughs) uh, They're in their bodies, uh, in their heads a lot, and so it's very hard to be truly in their bodies. And. Working with the body you've got is one crucial part of improving your sex life. Um, I, I, just, I also wanted to add this, that tons of sex surveys, you'll find this in so many, guys are not complaining about the size of their partner's rear end. Because yeah. by the time a man wants to sleep with a woman, he finds her attractive, period. Period. So, if there's some way to free your energy from that anxiety and put it into having fun with your partner, yeah, you'll just Absolutely. enjoy so so much more. When, but let's talk about a little more about the struggle that some people have to get fully into their bodies.
1: Well, I, I think it has. I mean, it's the one thing is the you know, not feeling like that, that your partner doesn't find you attractive. So it's really hard to think about wanting to have sex. And so you're not fully in your body. But the other thing too, is just stress in general, whether it's a software engineer or a, a person just counting their to-do list in their head. Oh yeah. Rather than being like, so not being in their body during sex. And so just being like, okay, like, what do I have to do next? And thinking of sex as like a chore to get done rather than really being in the moment.
0: Yeah, duty obligation. It's very common, particularly among women. One theory is that women, uh, we believe, have a bigger corpus callosum the connecting tissue between the right and left hemispheres so we may have evolved to have that because we have to multitask if we're having sex and we have a baby we ha- have to hear the baby cry too and yeah. but women who have no longer have babies they're they're out of college already are still multitasking mm-hmm. because there's a part of them that doesn't really want to be there and so we have to talk about what our What are the uh, physical and emotional roadblocks that keep you from being really present, really present? Um, And I think uh, some have trouble uh, relaxing enough to enjoy what's being shared with them sexually. I I believe that learning to massage and be massaged, I'm sure you give your couples lots of sensate focus exercises, but this can help. Many put down their body armor if they can really be in the moment when they're receiving the massage. How does it feel? And to be focused on that touch. Um, yes. Yeah. It, it, don't you, have haven't you encountered that too? That, that the, the struggle absolutely and the the, bo- the body armor put it put it down already.
1: And it's so hard for some people, So, and, yes. and some people just have to have the perfect conditions of being able to let go of that body armor. You know, mm-hmm. the, the other thing that I like to, like, talk about in regards to this is um, body image, because I think this also makes a difference in letting, kind of letting things, like, that body armor down, is, you know, we t- every, everyone talks about body positivity, and I think for a lot of individuals being a hundred percent positive about one's body can be very difficult. It's almost like I like an idea that I can't achieve that. So I always Mm. think about body, body neutrality of being able to be like, this is what my body can do. This is what my body can enjoy. This is what my body enjoys and coming to a more neutral place in the body and having gratitude of what it can do and knowing that there's going to be days but like, that you might not feel as positive, but, like, if you can bring it to a neutral place and a, a neutral place of acceptance, I think that can make all the difference in letting, letting that go. I think that's a
0: very good point, Ashley, that uh, yeah, we, we've had all this, uh, this uh, a focus on body positivity, whereas body neutrality... It to be more neutral. to know your body, how your body responds, mm-hmm. and and you know the men are much more forgiving about a woman's so called flaws than most women believe. I mean, they they want to, they're not they're they're just they're accepting and they yeah. are looking they don't care if the the woman is worried about her chubby thighs or sagging breasts they're just so happy to have a naked woman <laughs> next to them <laughs> typically it is so and, true i mean yeah. it really is and and women need to understand that there was one small study years ago that i remember that women thought that their men wanted them thinner but actually when interviewed these same partners wanted their partners to be maybe 5 pounds heavier <laughs> so yeah. there are men that really enjoy kind of grabbing onto some flesh and 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 yeah. uh, and enjoying it <laughs> you know the sensuality of it
1: and I can, you know, and full disclosure is that, like, during the pandemic, I gained, like, a lot of people, I gained a little bit of weight, not much, like 10 pounds. And yeah. I'm so insecure about it because I'm a very active person, and, it, and it's yeah. just, you know, and as, as all women in our society, I have struggled with body image issues myself. Like, it's hard not to. And mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that my partner did not notice at all. I don't think he would have cared if I, wear, if I wear an onion around my neck. He's just like, naked woman? This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. And, and so, I, massage. We yes, in our and own I'm heads? sorry. I, we get in our own heads so much that we don't real, yeah. and and I think that does take us away from feeling joy and feeling yeah. sexual desire and feeling sexual pleasure. So,
0: um, women do this a lot, and there are a couple of exercises that I suggest that can, that can derail that thinking. So here's a woman, she's making love to her partner, and all of a sudden she starts worrying about a body part or her body in general uh, and, and cannot uh, really be present. So I suggest to her that she just sees a stop sign in her mind. This takes some practice, but see a stop sign in her mind, stop and retor- return to her center, her core, her body and what she's feeling and notice her breath, all parts of being present. The other, other suggestion is to kind of see all these negative things on a conveyor belt going out of your brain slowly, 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 just leaving and then coming back. To all of the sensations, to interrupt that negative cycle.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's helpful. And then just focusing in on kind of like that, what what is going on and what is happening in the body.
0: Yeah, can, can you can you
1: expand on that a little bit? I, I always I always like. I mean, everyone's very different, but I think it's just important after kind of being able to stop those distortions and then being able to be like, I am feeling, starting to feel an arouse. This is like, I'm feeling tingly here. And just really getting into that. Um, yeah. And I think the other thing too, is it might be, I think it's very helpful to make eye contact with your partner. Mm-hmm. And, yep. but that, that you're both experiencing that pleasure, together. And so that can kind of take a person out of it. Like, Oh, I'm giving you pleasure. You're giving me pleasure. Just that, that focus on each other and focus on your body and what the sensations that are happening. Are you, you know, how are you feeling aroused? Oh, are are your nipples feeling like, you know, more like hard? Are they feeling tingly or what are you feeling in your growing? Like, what is, what's like in your pelvic, like what is happening? In the body, are mm-hmm. you getting shivers down your spine, or just really being able to like embrace that juiciness?
0: Embrace the juiciness. I like that. <laughs> That's good. Actually, <laughs> uh, in the list that I made about how to have bad sex. The um, second thing on the list was ignore your body. The, the first one is compare yourself to others. Yes. And that, of course, is tied in with uh, ignoring your body. But I think that sexuality is probably the most subjective aspect of human experience. Um, you know, there's so many magazine quizzes and six six-step ste- sex, six sex books. And there's just no meaningful way to compare yourself to a perfect stranger when it comes to your sexuality. So if you want to do something useful for your sex life, I believe it's so important to focus on yourself and anyone you're having sex with and don't turn away. So this is being present big time. Notice your breathing. Notice what – really notice uh, your partner and his – his breathing and his uh, – I love the, your idea of making the eye contact. I mean, it is the window into the soul it's poetically, but it, there are studies that show that eye contact can really increase intimacy between two people.
1: Yeah. The the other thing I was thinking about with, in comparing yourself to others, and this also ties into kind of the body image, is because on social media, there's so much – you know, you know, fit inspo, like, oh, like, you know, people like being like, like do this juice cleanse and lose weight and all this stuff. Like, uh, like stop following those people. Don't give that any more room in your brain. Don't let that take up important real estate in your brain anymore. Just stop following those people and, and follow people who actually inspire you in different ways, not in that body way. Also follow people who are of different body shapes and sizes because there's so much, it it can be so triggering to be like, oh, this person follows this specific thing and I want to look like this person. And they Mm -hmm. stop following that. Like any of that, if if it, it makes a difference, just follow all cute puppy and, whatever you want to do um, or follow people who have like are promoting positive sexuality in the sense of like how to have better sex, follow that instead of anything to do with wanting your body to fit in a certain paradigm.
0: That is very good advice. And, And I didn't even mention social media. I'm, I'm a senior and in well into my seventies, and so I haven't paid much attention to social media but you as um now you're forty wow hi I know <laughs> <laughs> I remembered your birthday last month <laughs> sounds like you had a great celebration as you should you're just a remarkable woman but so social media do you do you do some things on social media and 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 what what else have you noticed? I, I I know I know all of the negative messages that have come through, like TikTok and so on, but some positive ones too. But what about social media? Inform me a little more.
1: So what I mean I find is that there are people that are wanting promoting different fitness lifestyles or different exercise programs or diet programs or, mm-hmm. you know, the the five things not to eat if you want to have a six-pack or something like that, and it's just, it's not achievable, and it makes mm-hmm. people, because first of all, everyone's bodies are different. everybody's responds yeah. to different things differently, and that's okay. Everybody is beautiful, and mm-hmm. I think it's really hard for people to say like, I want to like people, I think literally people say, I want to look like that. And this goes for men, women, and every, everyone else, like every gender. Um, and it's really hard to, because if you think about these, you know, these fitness inspiration people, if you can want to mm-hmm. hold them an in actual mm-hmm. inspiration, I don't think they are, um, is that's their job. So you, unless you really want that to be your full-time job, it's not achievable. I don't have time to spend three hours in a gym and prepping meals all the time. I I don't have that time. (laughs) I don't think the average person does.
0: No, they don't. Um, Since November, I've been working with a personal trainer to, uh, Develop more strength in my legs and arms, just overall body strength. Which is, I mean, I've been a swimmer for fifty years and and a walker, but I needed to add, so I've I've done that, and I am getting stronger. But it's important for me. I, my husband loves my loves my body just as it is. Uh, he's the one who says, "Worship your woman, and the goddess will reward you." He's complimentary. <laughs> he, you know, but I'm doing it for health reasons. I mean, yep. I don't want to fall down <laughs> and break a leg, which is often a death sentence for many seniors, um, because then they get in the hospital and they get pneumonia and they die. Uh yeah. So, and I, because I've been on bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, my my bones are in much better shape Uh because a woman needs balanced hormones to be sexually responsive, typically, yeah. uh, when she's um, past menopause. But um, I'm enjoying the uh, personal trainer, and uh, I, I mean, I feel sore after my twice-a-week mm-hmm. sessions. But um, I'm glad I'm doing it, and I'm getting stronger, and she says I am, too. And my husband notices it in terms of going upstairs better, and... <laughs> You know, yeah. my balance and all of these things. So I'm doing it for health reasons and um, yes. and, and longevity reasons. <laughs> you know, I want to live as long as possible and have the quality of life attendant to it. So I think those are very absolutely. positive, healthy reasons for yes. um,
1: getting stronger and And exercise work, is working out. and getting stronger. And, you know, exercise is good for... With, like for osteoporosis and different things like that. So I, exercise is great. And I always just think it's like find some movement. I don't, don't Maybe not exercise. Like maybe that's too of much of a prescriptive word. But yeah. find movement that feels good in your body. And maybe that is taking walks. Maybe that's dancing. Yeah. Maybe that's having wild sex. Whatever it is, mm-hmm. find movement that feels good in the body. And I think that is the key to also connecting with your body more. Well, that's what swimming has done for me
0: all these years, that I find when I'm doing laps, I'm also meditating, a form of meditation, Uh, you know, feeling the water all around me being very present, but also moving my body. But you're right. You've got to find something that works for you that's not so prescriptive and um, something you'll stick with. Yeah. I'm, I notice on television they've got all these gyms advertising. Uh, I usually mute the commercials, but I left them on just to see what was happening. And and there, a lot of them are saying no fees for cancellation. I guess a lot of people in January would sign up and then say, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't want to work on a treadmill or I don't want to do this or that, and then they and then they uh, stop going. So. You've got to find something that really resonates for you. You know, you said having sex. I mean, sex is great exercise, and it's another way yes. I get my exercise. Yeah, robust sex. And, and the other great exercise um, is, um, uh, now I've forgotten. <laughs> I got so enthusiastic about, well, sex and, yeah, mostly sex and yeah, I've got sex on the brain because we're doing this
1: show, Love, Lust, and laughter. So. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's fine. Well, and the thing is, like, depending on how explorative someone wants to get, you know, get a sex swing or get, like, different props, like pillows and things like that that helps you in different positions. And well, really that's such a good idea, yes. Different things. If that's If that's, you know... If that is what you like, or you want to try something different, like that will definitely improve core strength. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yes. uh,
0: the the sex swing and the pillows. There is um, uh, a company called Liberator, and they have the sex. They have the the sex wedges and pillows. Yes. And and. Um, and if you don't get that, you can put a couple of pillows under your butt, which raises your pelvis, and uh, the woman on her back. and then this this often gives the penis a better better contact with her, I don't know, depending her g-spot or maybe her cervix. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So there the, we want to create dopamine. The hormone of arousal and dopamine needs novelty. So anything new you can bring yep. into your sex life uh, is really important. And that leads me to, to one of the other points on how to have bad sex, and th- that is to grow up and get serious, you know, because yeah. we're, we, we, sex is really the closest thing that adults have to the kind of play we engage with as, as kids. Mm-hmm. And um, the Inuits, uh, they used to be called Eskimos of Alaska, um, they call sex laughing time. Yes, I it is it's laughing time. I love that. Yeah. So if you make sex just one more thing that's serious and routine and only done in reasonable ways, I think that you can lose much of the power and magic in our sex yeah. lives. Um, So we want to keep the play, and of course, this is where sex toys come in, too, because sex toys are adult toys, the toys that we can really have fun with. Not only for solo play, which is really important, because masturbation counts, especially if you don't have a partner, but even if you do have a partner. I I mean, I, I find that lots of people, when they're having good sex, and that includes me, I should... Disclose this, I guess. (laughs) That masturbation goes up, not down, when you're having regular sex because all of your sex hormones and the dopamine and the oxytocin and the endorphins, your body's turned on, and you want to have more orgasms, so you self pleasure. But for women that are having trouble with orgasms, it's even more important to masturbate to find out what really arouses them because we're all such individuals, aren't we? So the Absolutely. masturbation is, is important in finding toys that you like. Let's talk a little bit more about, or could you please talk more about uh, the role of masturbation in sexual pleasure? I, mean,
1: I love I love masturbation. I think <laughs> I, I, I 10 out of 10 highly recommend. Um, <laughs> no, Masturbation is great for self discovery. Um, and, and I also, I mean, that's one of the first questions I asked when someone is um, struggling is if they masturbate, like if they're struggling with orgasm. And I always ask, are you orgasmic during masturbation? Because that can be a big tell And sometimes some people are like, well, I don't masturbate. I'm like, okay, well, that needs to change. Um, Mm -hmm. So whether that's with sex toys, whether that is just with the hand. um, The other thing that I have found for arousal if anyone's having problems with arousal, and this is usually with cisgendered women that I, I talk to that have problems with arousal or sexual desire, um, is there is a really amazing app that I highly recommend. Um, it's called Dipsy, D-I-P-S-E-A, and it, it, there's a seven-day free trial, um, and I think after that it might be thirteen ninety nine a month. But it's erotica. It is audio erotica and really? it walks you through I, so oh it's my god D-I-P-S-E-A. D as in dog i p as an um pig s e a yeah and S-P-A. that's what i wrote down yes, so yes, this is this, this is C, yep. uh, uh, audio erotica Audio erotica okay. and so they have yeah. different scenes. Um, they have different characters you can follow. Obviously I've downloaded this app and used it, I'm not gonna lie, and I so I can recommend it. Um and I there's just something about it and I mean, to the point like I mean it's not just like I mean it's just I mean, these people are characters and you can all you can listen to it as a third person or as a first person and there's the sex sounds. I mean, it's, it's very, to me, like engaging and you're able to get into the story. And I think it can be really helpful to, to get back into your body. If you're one of the, if you are having a hard time with arousal, um, or sexual desire, because some of these, and some of the stories you can kind of set the timer, like how much how much you want to, like, how long the story has to be, but it is, and there's, like, kink, there, it's very LGBTQ inclusive, it's, that's good, I just Mm -hmm. love, love this app so much, and it is, you know, and couples could use it, too, if you wanted to kind of, and if a person wasn't, wasn't open to watching erotica or like porn. Mm-hmm. Uh, they might, mm-hmm. this might be something, because not all people are visual in that way. Some people like the sound, the story. And I mean, that's why Harlequin romance novels are still so popular, it's because people might to be popular. in the story. It's a billion dollar a year
0: industry. Absolutely. So I yeah, think and, that this is yeah.
1: a great app.
0: I'm so glad to know about that. Uh, another one that can help women learning about their bodies is OMG. Yes, do you know about that? Yes, oh my I've God, heard of that yes. One. Yeah. OMG. Yes. It shows. It, that's a visual though. That it, it shows women masturbating, different ways that they do that they do, because there are so many different ways. I wanted to go back to your question. It's, it's a very good question to ask of your clients. Uh, do you masturbate? I mean, I ask this of women, not so much of men, unless they have, they present with uh, erectile dysfunction or premature ejaculation. And yeah. I will ask them, when you're masturbating to porn, because virtually most, all men do, yeah. it's just a question of how often, do, do you have erection problems and uh, or even PE problems? premature ejaculation problems. Yes. And most will say no. And it 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 seems as though and some studies have shown this too that when a man is looking at porn and if he knows it's entertainment, very important, uh <laughs> he doesn't have to please the woman on the screen. So this is about yeah, with couple sex, this is about performance anxiety. Mm-hmm. So yes. if he doesn't have that problem, uh and if and then of course many women will masturbate and reach orgasm but can't with a partner there's lots to be learned about orgasms and sexual arousal and all of that from self-pleasuring lots to be learned plus it's fun plus it yeah. does the body good
1: <laughs> yeah no it's it's interesting that you say that cause i've i've worked with one person that she was young and like, you know, 20 something and was really concerned that her partner did not want to have sex would turn her down all the time. Mm. And, and I asked about, you know, masturbation with with him and she's like, I don't know. And she, she comes to find out is that he was watching porn numerous times a day and masturbating and was not engaging in sex with her. Um, So I think that is that is a problem. Yes, and that is a problem. And so I think that's something to, and it can be a hard. it, It can be a like an impulsive or compulsive problem that needs to be addressed in the relationship. I don't see anything wrong with erotica or porn. I don't have anything against it. But I think just like you can overdo a. You know, alcohol or overdo anything that can bring you joy. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's something that, when it becomes more harmful and it, it impedes your relationship and engaging with your partner, I think that's something to address.
0: Well, it it does absolutely. I, I've had um, I, I've had women call me. Can you fix my partner? He he masturbates to porn all the time. He has a sexual addiction. And I said, well, I, I'll say, well, I I don't use the word addiction. I use the word compulsion. And, yes, it can be a problem. But it usually means that the couple needs to talk more, to communicate more about this. And, um, yeah, uh, that... They're just, they're not talking, and she has, she thinks he's broken, and she's avoiding talking to him. And couples that have a healthy relationship often will watch porn together. And it's often, what do they call it, ethical porn, where it's usually produced Mm -hmm. by women, producers, directors. My friend Candida Royale, who died about six years ago now of, of ovarian cancer, I still miss her. But she was the first on the scene in 1984, having come out of uh, being a porn actress. Um, But she was the first to produce films for couples to watch. And she did not make a point. She did not hire men with huge penises, um, more regular (laughs) sized. Mm -hmm. And uh, she tried to hire couples whenever possible. Couples, and you can see it in her early films, these people are relating to each other. And how come they're having sex? Because they like each other. And that's often not portrayed in the typical male uh, porn. So it it can't, and then some couples will turn off, well, it's kind of like, well, it's kind of a reverse of what you said with Dipsia, where you can... Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can listen, but you won't see anything. With porn, you can turn off the sound and occasionally take a glance <laughs> at what's going on. Yeah. And that can be arousing. Uh, Absolutely. There are all these, all these ways that for arousing, and for porn to be integrated in a healthy way. Um, but so many have, have have problems with it because it's so easily available. It's pretty shocking to think that, that many nine-year-old boys are finding porn on, and you know, or nine or ten on their phones, and yeah, um, and so this this is one of the other points that I make about uh, how to have bad sex is is to confuse sex entertainment with sex education. I mean, yeah. So we've got porn, we've got sex toy stores, uh, all of these things that can be sex entertainment. And it can be really a fun way to explore your options but uh, but it really isn't the same thing as sex education or sex therapy. I really love Michael Kaerman's yeah. book published last year sizzling sex for life it's he's got twenty five hundred studies in this in this it's scientifically based it's really an excellent book and um it's good sex education <laughs> uh, so if I think if you're feeling genuinely stuck or distressed about your sexuality or your sex life, I think it's really important to turn to a qualified sex therapist uh, or, a, or a sex counselor. Um, and I'm sure absolutely. you feel the same. Because <laughs> no, it's absolutely. so often, I, you know, I, I, especially some of my couples from India and China who are here working in Seattle. um, mm-hmm. You know, they didn't get sex education. Well, many people didn't get sex education, but yeah. so I have to do sex education before I can really do sex therapy, uh, or I have to do relationship counseling first because they're so angry with each other they they don't even want to have sex. So, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's it's a fascinating field, isn't it?
1: <laughs> isn't it? it, it, it
0: Ashley, it I just is. love being a sex therapist, and I have no plans to retire. God willing, I keep my marbles. <laughs>
1: That's how I feel, too. I don't think I would ever... All my friends talk in their careers, they talk about retiring. I'm like, I don't want to retire.
0: <sighs> yeah.
1: I love what I do. No, said. no, I, and, oh,
0: and, and as a gerontologist, and you're a gerontologist, too, I, I, and it was borrowed from Gail Sheehy, I think, don't retire, redirect. That's really yeah. important if, if you are going to retire. from The thing I love about, about my job... Is that I won't age out unless I do, yeah. uh, if unless I have brain problems, and I don't expect so because I'm, I'm cognitively engaged every day, and I'm staying active, and and that's really important. But in in Los Angeles, when I was in L.A. after my last husband's death, um, I was there for about seven years, five years, I can't remember now, before moving to Seattle. And uh, I did work at UCLA's Female Sexual Medicine Center, which was a very interesting thing. But because I have a theater background and and I've done television, I was even, (laughs) in the late 70s, I was even on As the World Turns. Maybe it was the early 70s, yeah. And (laughs) when it was still done live... (laughs) We had table wow. reads, and then it was right to address rehearsal, and then on the air. So I have a theater acting background, so it's it's very easy for me to um, to to get into roles and all of that, and to do media work. And I auditioned for a number of media things, including the Sex Inspectors. It was a show that never made it. But uh, So sex therapists working with usually couples in their 30s, but they also ended up hiring uh, sex therapists in their 30s. And um, my initial response was, this is not you, but this was a little defensive on my part. What do they know? I mean, no. <laughs> I've been doing it at that point, I've been doing it for 30 years. And, yeah, you knew. And, yeah, yeah. and But I'm so happy I don't have to age out. And, in fact, a lot of my Asian couples who respect their elders. It's a different culture. Yeah. They, yeah. they, they find my website, drdiana.com, and, or they see me on Psychology Today, uh, in, you know, among their searching for therapists, and they, they, they contact me because I have 40 years' experience. They like that. Yeah. So, and you're different, though, because... You're young but you've been doing this for quite a few years and you're so smart and you keep learning new things including you were doing the Bowen Institute last time we ha- I had you on the air um, yeah you just you you're way ahead of most therapists for your age anyway I've I've talked about a lot of things there but it's really important to to stay engaged in life and and um, and I, I think one way that I'll grow old well is to continue doing this work and helping others when you're helping others you're getting out of yourself and yeah. even so when you're massaging somebody it's as good for you as it is for them almost as good yeah
1: you know? <laughs> yeah no I think yeah. that's, I think it's I think this career this profession is so rewarding in mm-hmm. so many ways and it's You know, and I think it's interesting because you know, at you know, now that I'm 40, it's I almost feel like I'm at that age where I like older clients are like, okay, she knows what she's talking about because you're 40 now. Like, there's something about 40 that makes you like Mm. that this like this person is more. I don't know. There's something about 40 that that makes me feel like there's more, and then more responsibility that I, I mean, I've, I mean, it's the same, like I, you know, 39 to four, but if there is something about that and then my younger clients, cause I do, because I, I live in an area with a lot of college students and yeah. they look at me like, okay, you know what you're talking about as well. So I, I feel like at this that pretty felt like a turning point in that way. I mean, I've only been 40 for a month, so I can't really <laughs> say, I, I'll, I'll let you know when I'm 40. <laughs> when I'm forty five what it feels like. But um I, I think there is something about that, like there's you're never yeah, it is a profession that you're never gonna age out of.
0: No, and I think your your relative youth is uh well forty is is well it's half a lot of people think of it as halfway through your life. If if God yeah. I hope I live well beyond eighty but <laughs> so but <laughs> I'm certainly more aware of my mortality though now, but but anyway, um, I think it's great that you're your age because you're not so old that the college students can't identify with you, but you're clearly, yeah. I mean, you've got a Ph.D. That's, that gives you credibility right away. Uh, so th- so I think you can work with older people, which I know you do. We've talked about aging and sexuality a number of times uh, on this show, you and I. And so, but, yeah. Um, but you can, you can work with all those ages. And also, just as an aside, Ashley, um, over the years I've noticed that women around 40, especially when it comes to their sexuality, have lots of ahas. Oh, if I do this, but well, it isn't just sexuality, it's other things. If I do this, then this will happen. You know, they're more aware of the consequences of their behavior and, they are have more self awareness, and you know, they just have more insights, and uh, and and they're even more willing to be to have moments where what I call where they're it's enlightened selfishness. You know that they're thinking about themselves, but it's enlightened. It can help them yeah. be better for the other person, right?
1: I, you know, it's so interesting that you say that because I have seen that not only with my friends, but with clients that are just turning 40. And I, you know, some people might call it a midlife crisis, but I'm going to call it a midlife discovery. um, Oh, I love that. of That just wanting things different. Like I, like what in a way it's kind of like I have settled for status quo for so long and I am no longer happy and I can make that change. Mm-hmm. And, and I mm-hmm. see it a lot to do with relationships and sexuality, um, whether a person's like, you know what, I am not having the sex I want to have and I'm not happy with my partner anymore. I'm either going to try to open up the marriage. I'm going to get marriage counseling um, or people, and I think this happens a lot too, is after so many years, if, if things are not talked about and if, if one partner is accommodating the other person all the time and loses self in that process, mm-hmm. resentment builds. And I think oh, I see yes. a lot with, with and, and it comes to a head And for a lot of people when, when they're 40. Um, and so I think a lot of people think that, oh, this is like a midlife crisis, but I think it's just like Finally, some people get sick of the, you know, BS and just want to show up for the, themselves and make a change. Because they're like, okay, well, if this is my midway point, I don't want the my other half of my life to be unhappy. I need to make a change. So that is also I, a great well, you've New just, Year's you've,
0: goal. you've experienced it personally, although you, you're way ahead of the vast majority of people in terms of enlightenment. And then don't you think you're profession informs your personal life hugely. It's one.
1: Oh, yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah. But, and so, as mental health professionals, we've, we've got some advantages. Um, and, but, yeah, it's, 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 it's a wonderful thing. It's just a wonderful thing to, to do this. And, and, of course, I'm also liking it because we can do it on Zoom now. And I mean, you're probably seeing people in person. I haven't gone back to that yet, part, even though I'm vaccinated and boosted and all that, but partly because I'm an older person. So, um, are you seeing people in, in person? I guess you are.
1: Yes, yeah, not all of them. Um, there is a convenience mm-hmm. of the Zoom, like seeing people via the computer or telehealth. So I yeah, say, telehealth. I, I would say a third of my clients I see in person right now, and the rest I see virtually. Yeah. Okay. So it's nice. Either way, I like I like it both. Like there's sometimes like I really enjoy mm-hmm. being in person, but sometimes it's really nice just to, you know, be virtual. So I, I think there's positive positive <laughs> in both, and I think it's just really what a person's comfortable with, the client and the therapist.
0: Such a good point. Um, so I, in my uh, list of um, how to have bad sex. The last point is let fear be your guide, and of course, sex can be scary, um, and I think it's really it has to do with the, that how sex demands that we give up control and expose ourselves, and and that really gets in the way of people talking about their desires. They don't tell their partners what they really want to do, and yeah. oh. You know, it's like going on a treasure hunt without any clues. Sexual communication, we both know this, how important it is and how much it is a part of our work to help the couples talk to each other. Um, Yeah, and I think if you're in a safe relationship where there is trust, then fear doesn't have to be your guide. Um, You know, women have the best sex, and they can let go m- more often if they feel very safe in the relationship, and particularly women who have experienced trauma, and we want to maybe get into that a little bit, time permitting, about trauma and epigenetics. Um, but, you know, the, the amygdala, if, if somebody has trauma in their childhood, um, or even, you know, not deep trauma, but some upheaval and some chaos. The amygdala can get overwired, so the person is much more apt to be depressed or anxious. So the, the, it's usually the woman, uh, sometimes a man too, but the safety in a relationship and trusting. I mean, I think that trust, trust and vulnerability are essential to intimacy,
1: Absolutely. Into me, you see. Intimacy. Yeah. Yeah. I've never thought of it that way, but absolutely. Into me, you Mm -hmm. see. And that type of vulnerability, I always compare being vulnerable to jumping into a pool and not knowing what's there. You don't know whether there's water. You don't know whether there's piranhas. You don't know whether there's alligators. Mm -hmm. Is it empty? And that Mm -hmm. is about that vulnerability, And and with someone who has a trauma history, jumping in that pool is always like jumping in and thinking that there's something that's going to hurt them. So I think there is something, like that's really important to, for for a partner to understand that and how that person is responding because a person who's had a trauma history, certain smells, could be highly triggering to them. Certain ways a person gets touched that might be, like some people, it might be very difficult to have their neck caressed, um, for example. And so just certain ways of touching, certain smells, certain maybe even materials, certain sounds, all of those things can be so triggering And even to the person who's the survivor might not even recognize, they just react because it's so automatic that trauma stays in the body. So it's really important for, I mean, obviously, first step is for that person to get therapy and to process that trauma. But it's also really important for the partner to get therapy to understand, whether it's couples therapy or their own therapy, understand what their partner is going through and how they can support that person more.
0: Yeah, for the years that I co-led women's uh, sexuality groups and the, all of these women had had trauma, and, and, they, um, and, they, and most of the women, at, at least at the start of the group, it was an ongoing group, and then people healed and left, but um, they were unable to reach orgasm. Uh, it wasn't safe. They were triggered. And um, we would bring, like, if, if the husband had a beard, we, we'd bring him in for some of the, the, the sessions. Um, and uh, if the husband had a beard and her perpetrator had a beard, we would encourage the husband to shave the beard. It was a trigger for her, just so yeah. she can relax more into uh, sex with her mate. And, um, yeah. Uh, but I, I want to, before we run out of time, I want to talk a little bit about intergenerational trauma, and this refers to the descendants of people who experience trauma firsthand. Of course, we think about the children of the Holocaust survivors, or even yes. formerly enslaved people. Um, it's the uh, the inter, intergenerational trauma is is it's the study of epigenetics and it is a relatively young uh, area, but it examines how traumatic effects, events, um, ripple out and physically alter gene expressions. And uh, very briefly, I want to report about this oft cited study from 2013. It was published in the journal Nature and researchers tested the effects of intergenerational trauma by negatively conditioning male mice to the scent of acetophenone, um, and this is a sweet almond-like scent. And researchers then found that the offspring of those mice were jumpy or nervous when exposed to the same scent, and so were the pups or third generation mice. Wow. Yeah, and so they, it's, it's, it's amazing really. Um, so to ensure that this was not a learned trait shared from parent to offspring, because that often happens, right? Yeah. You talked yep. about a mother and a daughter who'd both had sexual yeah. abuse, but we can, yeah. I just, we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, the offspring mice were separated and raised by other non-related mice. And when the researchers dissected the brains of the offspring, they found more neurons of brain cells that detect the acetylfemone than the brains of control mice. So they have, they have more neurons that, that detect this. It's three generations out. Um, that, I, I think that is fascinating. And so th- this is a new area, and we're going to hear more about this, I think the epigenetics and yeah, fascinating, isn't it? Well,
1: and I, it is Well, fascinating because I've, I've worked with um, individuals that have had relatives that died in the Holocaust and that epigenetic, how it looks with the clients that I have worked with. is more about anxiety and more about ADHD and things like that. So it might not look like a, what a person may think it looks like, mm. It might, the symptoms might be more of a depression, but I, the, the people that I've worked with has come across as ADHD, so I just think that's interesting. But I also have found that individuals who've experienced sexual trauma also have family members that have also experienced sexual trauma. Um, I work, I've worked with a mother and daughter, and the daughter experienced sexual trauma at a certain age, like teens. Sixteen, seventeen, and never talked to her mom about it. But mm-hmm. I talked to her mom and I didn't disclose that her, you know, the daughter do- like that's not what I would, I would not do that. Um, cause yeah, like yeah, and yeah. privacy and confidentiality, but the mother d- disclosed to me that she experienced sexual trauma at the same age that her daughter did. And she did not know that her daughter did and her daughter didn't know. And I just thought that was interesting. And I'm wondering and I would suspect that it goes up the generation, yes. um, the, up, the, up the tree. And I think that happens a lot. I think it
0: does a lot. And even the victims of sexual abuse, um, I remember one client, this was years ago, and, and he'd, he'd been molested, sexually molested by a soccer coach. When he was seven, and it was not a good experience. He grew up, and he ended up being a perpetrator, uh, and he was looking for a seven-year-old boy, a little bit of repetition, compulsion, Freudian's idea, of seven years old, so this boy could have a better experience with sexual abuse wow. than he had had. Isn't that interesting? Wow. <laughs> it's, yeah. So these things, this is about mind-body, right? And <laughs> we've got things in our bodies that um, the tri- that produce the triggers that need to be healed, trauma that needs to be healed, that really needs... I think it's practically impossible for somebody who's had sexual abuse to heal on their own, I think. Yeah. And this is where telehealth can actually be a plus because... In the past, they haven't always been able to find a therapist that is, is, uh, is knowledgeable in this area. No, absolutely. Oh, there's our music. Well, lucky for us, Dr. Ashley will return to the show February the 7th. We're going to switch gears a little bit, but some of this information will no doubt seep into our discussion in, in a month. And it is romance how do we create more romance in our relationship well of course we have to talk about that because valentine's day comes up a week later (laughs) so we'll be doing that so thank you ashley another great show i appreciate you so much thank you this was great and we'll 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 talk more in a month everybody tune in then and Reread the notes from the show today and hopefully get some help if you need some help so that you can make 2023 the best ever in terms of your sexual intimacy in your life or wanting sexual intimacy in your life. Take care, everybody.
1: Ti